0: Hello and welcome to brainwaves my name is jamie adams with my co-host ian McAllister. we bring you the best in tabletop gaming news every fortnight this is brainwaves episode 108 and these are the headlines for the week of the 3rd of october 2022
1: the world of chess is anything but black and white grandmaster loses job after sexist comments and naylor games announces future plans all this and more on
0: this episode of brainwaves Last time we recorded an episode of the podcast, we covered a story about some accusations of cheating in the world of professional chess. We finished the recording, released the podcast, and thought, ah, it would run under the radar, we might cover it at some point later. Oh, how naive we were. As a little reminder to our listeners about what is going on, Magnus Carlsen was playing Hans Niemann at the Sinkerfield Cup 2022 on September 5th. He withdrew from that tournament without explanation after losing to the 19-year-old player. Carlson tweeted afterwards, implying heavily that he thought the 19-year-old's well-played game was not just skill, but maybe some cheating. In an online tournament on the 19th of September, the two met again, and Carlson resigned after playing just one move, turned off his stream, and never came back to the tournament. Since that time, accusations of Neiman's cheating have rocked the chess world, with Neiman admitting to cheating when he was much younger. Several high-profile chess names have asked for FIDE, the chess governing body, to step in and calm everything down. I'd finally released a statement on September the 23rd regarding the matter, and I would like to read it in full. Last week, world champion Magnus Carlsen resigned in a game played in an online competition against Grandmaster Hans Niemann before making his move too. The week before, he left an over-the-board tournament after losing the game to the same Mr. Niemann. These were not fide events. However, as the world's chess governing body, it is our duty to protect the integrity of the game and its image, and in view that the incident keeps escalating, we find it necessary to take a step forward. First of all, we strongly believe that the world champion has a moral responsibility attached to his status, since he is viewed as a global ambassador of the game. His actions impact the reputation of his colleagues, sportive results, and eventually can be damaging to our game. We strongly believe that there were better ways to handle this situation. At the same time, we share his deep concerns about the damage that cheating brings to chess. FIDE has led the fight against cheating for many years, and we iterate our zero-tolerance policy towards cheating in any form. Whether it is online or over the board, cheating remains cheating. We are strongly committed to this fight, and we have invested in forming a group of specialists to divide sophisticated preventative measures that already apply at top FIDE events. As we have already done before, FIDE calls for reinforcing the cooperation between major online platforms, private events and top players, most of whom have already expressed their will to join efforts with FIDE. FIDE is prepared to task its Fair Play Commission with a thorough investigation of the incident, when the adequate initial proof is provided and all parties involved disclose the information at their disposal. We are fully aware that, in some cases, uncertainty can harm players' performance. It also could be damaging to a player's reputation. That's why we insist on the anti-cheating protocols to be followed. It is our hope that this whole situation could have a long-term positive effect if tackled properly. We propose to launch a dedicated panel that would include representatives of the leading chess platforms, grandmasters, anti-cheating experts and FIDE officers in order to fight this risk and prevent it becoming a real plague. From Arkady Vorkovich, the FIDE President. A few days later, Magnus Carlsen also released a statement, which Ian is going to read.
1: Dear Chess World, At the 2022 Synchrofield Cup, I made the unprecedented professional decision to withdraw from the tournament after my Round 3 game against Hans Niemann. A week later, during the Champions Chess Tour, I resigned against Hans Niemann after playing only one move. I know that my actions have frustrated many in the chess community. I'm frustrated. I want to play chess. I want to continue to play chess at the highest level in the best events. I believe that cheating in chess is a big deal and an existential threat to the game. I also believe that chess organisers and all those who care about the sanctity of the game we love should seriously consider increasing security measures and methods of cheat detection for over-the-board chess. When Neiman was invited last minute to the 2022 Cinqueville Cup, I strongly considered withdrawing prior to the event. I ultimately chose to play. I believe that Neiman has cheated more, and more recently, than he has publicly omitted. His over-the-board progress has been unusual, and throughout our game in the Synchrofield Cup, I had the impression that he wasn't tense or even fully concentrating on the game in critical positions, while outplaying me as black in a way I think only a handful of players can do. This game contributed to changing my perspective. We must do something about cheating, and for my part going forward, I don't want to play against people that have cheated repeatedly in the past, because I don't know what they are capable of doing in the future. There's more that I would like to say. Unfortunately, at this time, I am limited in what I can say without explicit permission from Neiman to speak openly. So far, I've only been able to speak with my actions, and those actions have stated clearly that I'm not willing to play chess with Neiman. I hope that the truth on this matter comes out, whatever it may be. Sincerely,
0: Magnus Carlsen, World Chess Champion. And if that wasn't enough, legendary player Gary Kasparov has now gotten involved, saying the following to Chess.com. I was in St. Louis. I spoke to people who were involved directly in this case. I don't see any evidence that could be convincing. I understand his frustration, but leaving the tournament is unacceptable. Even if he had proof, but there was no proof, there is zero evidence of cheating in that specific game. It was really bad for chess. It was really bad for St. Louis. This was one of the most important tournaments, if not the most important tournament in the world of chess. And I think that his behaviour was unacceptable. So as I said at the top of this article, this story... We thought this was going to be a one-and-done. Maybe we hear about it later, but goodness gracious me, it has exploded.
1: It's gotten so big that The Tonight Show are making jokes about it.
0: The one with Jimmy Fallon?
1: Uh, Steve Colbert. Oh, Late Show. Yeah, Late Show. Sorry, yes. That's all right. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's seeping into popular culture in a way that chess probably doesn't want. I mean... It does, but it also doesn't. There's been some analysis here and there that says that Neiman is cheating because he's making very good moves a lot of the time. And there's a certain percentage thing that people analyze about what the best moves are, blah, 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 et etc. et cetera. But the long and short of it is that that fight have basically asked Magnus Carlsen to produce some sort of proof that Neiman was cheating and nothing has been forthcoming. I don't quite understand the bit in Magnus' statement that says he can't Speak more openly without Neiman's permission. That seems extremely weird. And the, especially the bit that he signs off with I hope that the truth on this matter comes out, whatever it may be. Well, do you know the truth or not? Because that last line implies that you don't. What about the theory involving vibrating anal beads, Ian? Well, I was hoping that we'd never come to that again, Jamie. <laughs> I would never, and neither of us would have to say vibrating anal beads ever again, ever, anywhere.
0: Well, but- I took that fall for you.
1: I appreciate that, man. I appreciate if if that.
0: you are not aware of this, uh, fine listeners, there is a theory that Hans Niemann was basically being fed information on which chess moves to play via a set of vibrating anal beads that were inserted rectally.
1: I'd like to make it very clear that that is a, from a very, very speculative article that appears to being written by someone who had just got off on one. <laughs> as I, As I said, a theory.
0: Indeed. But, Jamie, we are not done with the world of chess. No. Chess is dominated by male players, and attempts to change that have met with frequent disaster. From the women's chess tournament, sponsored by a breast enlargement company, to the women's grandmaster rating being lower than the ELO required for the men's grandmaster level, causing it to be rejected by many prominent female players. At a recent women's Grand Prix, Israeli chess grandmaster Ilya Smirin was commentating a match between women's grandmaster Joe Chinner and Grandmaster Alexandra Goryachinka. Why she wants to be like man Grandmaster in this case, he said. He went on to wonder if it was even possible for women to play like men, and that Goryachinka's Grandmaster title was because she plays in a very manly way, quote, with a very strong endgame. Many commentators had issues with what Smirin said, and FIDE released a statement shortly after the event. During yesterday's Women's Grand Prix live broadcast, one of the announcers expressed some very embarrassing comments. Although we have great respect for Grandmaster Ilya Smirin as a chess player, the views he expressed on air are completely unacceptable, offensive, and do not represent any of the values that FIDE stands for. Therefore, we unreservedly apologise to all those who were offended. Additionally, Grandmaster Smirin will not continue as a FIDE commentator with immediate effect. FIDE not only strives to increase women's representation in professional sports and official positions, but also to change the perception of chess as purely a man's world. Our community has to be a place where women feel safe and respected. Therefore, any action that carries disrespect, sexism, or physical, verbal, or emotional assault is unacceptable. I know that, especially for the women's game, on the back of The Queen's Gambit, for example, that came out a few years ago, there was this huge surge in interest in the game. But it seems like it's kind of died down slightly, or maybe that's just been a pushback from upper echelons of men's chess, for want of a better phrase.
1: Yeah, it seems like I feel like I mean to call chess not to call chess mainstream is a bit of a misnomer. Chess is a very mainstream game. Everyone knows, that everyone has chess set in their house. Of course, it is loved worldwide. But it feels to me like chess really missed a moment where it could have become a much more sort of bigger popular culture thing. Queen's Gambit was such a big show worldwide, and it could have attracted a lot more... It did attract a lot more women to the game, and then they kind of met this world of misogyny and sexism that is the world of professional chess,
0: and been almost instantly Ian, you're think, off. you're thinking too small. It's the patriarchy. The patriarchy went, we can't have that, women can't play chess, even if that show did... We can't have people doing that, so they went no, and that's appalling.
1: I mean, I'm not sure if I'd go that far, but yes, basically that, <laughs> pretty much. I, I would go that far. I'm I'm saying that. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. FIDE really needs to get their act together. I mean, we've covered like their disaster before, like we mentioned with the women's chess tournament sponsored by a breast enlargement company it was just. Uh, That kind of thing is just like, what, and they have like very few women at the top of uh, the top of the sport in terms of organization and in terms of actually administrating chess worldwide. There are very few women involved. Get that sorted out fine. You'll have a much better time of it and maybe you'll attract more players to the sport and get more money. Don't you want that? I don't understand. Chess can be played by anyone. Stop being
0: weird about it. Chess is so mainstream that in medieval times, medieval barge would include chess problems as part of songs and poems. If that's not mainstream, I don't know what is. Now, admittedly, that was several hundred years ago. <laughs> several hundred years ago, but still.
1: Jamie with his finger on the pulse of gaming culture once more.
0: Hey, you want to talk about chess? We've talked before about chess and members of the Wu-Tang Clan being huge fans of chess. The mysteries of chess we boxing. We absolutely
1: have. Anyway, a story a little closer to home. Naylor Games, the publishers of Magnate, and run by James Naylor, who is one of our patrons, announced the future of the company recently. In an email to backers and subscribers, they start by thanking everyone for their support of Magnate, the first city, their first big board game that went to Kickstarter, and then go on to announce four new game projects. These include a mega expansion to the much-loved game Snowdonia, Game Jam that they've been working on for a while, 21X, which will be the first new East Street Games product after Nailer Games acquired that company back in July, and a Magnate sequel. They also announced a new arm of the company called Back Office, which will take care of production and fulfillment for companies. In their words, we provide a one-stop comprehensive outsourcing service that gets your games from the factory to your players' eager hands again and again. It's great to see a small publisher like Nailer Games expanding, and I really like their commitment to providing evergreen tiles. I haven't had time to talk to James about this, but it does slightly make me question the appearance of Magnate 2 there in their release schedule. But hopefully it's a very different game to the original one, which I still haven't cracked my Kickstarter copy of properly and got it to the table. Sorry, James. Tut, tut. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's sitting right there. It's a humongous box. It really is. It's a BMF. I'll bring it around to your house, Jamie. We'll play some Magnet at some point because I need to get it to the table.
0: Before we move on to the rest of the news, we've got a little update on previous stories. In the last episode, we delved deep into the murky world of the Wizards of the Coast and New TSR lawsuit to bring you a summary of the case and where things stand now that Wizards of the Coast have decided to pursue the matter properly legally. It seems like one of the consequences of that case was for Star Frontiers to no longer be appearing on the Dungeon Hobby Shop webpage where New TSR sells their products. The only listing so far is from Star Frontiers-backed playing cards. Good riddance, I say. Good riddance. Yeah,
1: maybe it sounds like they're clearing the borders, trying to, like, placate Wizards a little bit. Who knows? I'm sure a little bit more will come out of that when the case properly comes to court. Back in episode 91, at the start of the year, we reported on the move to Snowbright Studios of T Cares as COO of that company. After being abruptly dismissed in the run-up to Gencom by Snowbright Studios, they had now landed on their feet at Hatchet US as their new US sales manager. T will be responsible for making retailer and distributor sales and organising the presence of the company at conventions stateside. We reached out to T for comment on the move, and they were good enough to get back to us, saying... I'm excited to be working with Hatchet more officially now as they grow in the US market. It's a great team, and I've had the pleasure of chatting with them for a while as they built out the company over this last year. Becoming on now makes it all seem like it was meant to be. Congratulations on the new appointment team. We've seen Hatchet grow worldwide quite a lot. There's a big UK company now um, run by Flavian Lossier, who we'll come back to a little bit later on. Uh, I had a chat with him at Tabletop Scotland. Very nice guy. And yeah, they're producing some really interesting games, including the much-talked-about Arcropolis is one of theirs. So yeah, a company on the
0: up-and-up. Nice one, T. Stonemeyer Games, publishers of Scythe and the phenomenon, the cultural juggernaut, you might say, that is Wingspan, recently announced two new games, a new edition of their hit Between Two Cities, and a game called Smitten. Now, why are we reporting on new releases when we don't normally? Well... These are the most environmentally sustainable games the company has made yet. The company is targeting the removal of plastic inserts, token and shrink wrap from the games. Boxes instead will be sealed with four clear stickers that will not damage the box. Smitten features cards that are made from recycled cardboard. Stonemire will be taking this philosophy to other products, including Wingspan, and are aiming to make the games as sustainable as possible. Now, i got to say, I think this is very good for a company with the clout of Stonemire games to be you know, championing these environmental considerations. You've had Haber, you've had Ravensburger, they've made moves in the direction. And they are big names, that's not, you know, beat about the bush here. But also, Stonemeyer, as I said, has some clout. Even smaller studios are doing this with Zuli, that uh, Ian recently reviewed, coming with paper instead of plastic wrap on the cards. Now, also, some of the French board game companies are also considering environmental moves as a group through their union. And speaking of French board game companies, Aiello, the game publishing company
1: best known for games like King of Tokyo series and uh, The Crew series of games, has been bought by Media Participations, the fourth largest publishing company in France. The Franco-Belgian comics company will take a significant stake in the capital of the French games publisher and distributor, our thanks to Flabby and Lossier from Hatch UK for giving us an insight into the French board game scene and giving us a few links to French board game news sites, which we'll hope to share more of with you in the future. I think this is yet more evidence that tabletop companies are attracting attention from businesses at large. Bigger sort of media conglomerates are looking at tabletop industry as a good prospect now rather than just a weird
0: curiosity in the corner. What do you think, Jamie? It's just assets. It's a, new, it's a new asset. It's like, you know, massive Swedish holdings companies. Important thing, they're a holdings company, Embracer Group. Yep. And they bought Day, and Asmodee owns so many companies, which make so many games. Fantasy Flight Games, Man, R2 that just come off the top of my head. Days of Wonder, there's a third. And, yeah, this is all assets. This is all sure. pulling these multimedia, co- you know, these huge corporations together.
1: Sure, I can't disagree with that, but it's interesting that they see these companies now as assets rather than just nothing at all. I mean, some of that will be good. There'll be more money for those companies to produce games. Some of that might be bad as they are controlled more by a single entity. You know, there's good and bad
0: in there. Some people might be happy because it means that any intellectual properties that, say, media participations owns could have yellow board game adaptations coming as a yeah, and consultant. like we saw
1: with Embracer Group buying the Lord of the Rings uh, IP, and we'll probably see more Lord of the Rings games, and it'll also protect the Lord of the Rings titles that exist
0: already within the companies that embrace our own. Yeah, there's good and bad in both these things, for sure. Now, Dr. Martha McGill, a British academic postdoctoral fellow in history at the University of Warwick, has led a team to develop two tabletop games focusing on the Scottish witch trials of the 14th to the 18th centuries in her series of games, Witch Hunt 1649. Uh, An article about this appeared in Tabletop Gaming Magazine, and I'm going to quote their description here because, well, it's pretty great. Scotland made witchcraft a capital offence in 1563. The Witchcraft Act was not repealed until 1736, by which time something in the region of 3,000 people may have been executed. 1649 was a year of particularly intense prosecution, partly because it was also a time of political and social turmoil. King Charles I of the House of Stuart was executed at the beginning of the year and the radical Kirk party that came to power in Scotland was keen to stamp down on sinful behaviour. Pressure to root out evil came from above but the witch trials were also driven from below. Prosecutions typically began when neighbours accused others usually following an argument. Approximately 84% of those accused were women most commonly those of middling age and social status who were known for being quarrelsome. So two games... In the series are Dregs of Days, which focuses on an East Lothian community dealing with accusations of witchcraft, and Lying Lips, a quicker game focusing on the speed of rumours and how that affected the community, are available from Dr. McGill's website. Now, we don't, as a rule, as we've said before, we generally don't do these games are out unless they're ones that we think are interesting from a maybe a historical or a sociological point of view. And I would say the Scottish witch trials is something that's very interesting because not on the whole, but I think there are some specific areas where Scotland, as a country, were very good at covering up the more troubling uh, parts of our history.
1: Yep, I think that's fair. Right. Very interesting project. It's something I might reach out to for an interview at some point in the not too distant future.
0: Definitely want to chat to Dr. Martha McGill about how that came about. Also of note in this kind of area is the Twitter account at Witches of Scotland, it was a, a group wanting justice for those who were executed as witches in Scotland, and I believe it, apology did go through recently. I might be wrong about that.
1: I believe the Scottish Parliament did apologise, or did like sort of officially apologise for the, the witch trials and, and the murders that happened during that that period. But I don't remember. I will try and find a link to that though and put it in the show notes for our listeners. We've been covering jobs, opportunities, and events in the last couple of casts, and we're going to continue that for the foreseeable future. We don't have any specific jobs to throw out at you, this cast, but we would recommend the website Gamosity. They put out a summary each month of the board game jobs that are available in in that month, uh, so you can go there and have a wee look at what's floating around. And there's also an upcoming charity event that you might want to give money to or get involved in called Roll for Good. Roll for Good is an RPG organisation that raises money for various charitable causes. Their forthcoming event is going to raise money for the charity Mermaids in the UK. It's a charity that supports young trans people and their families. The event's due to take place on the 22nd of October, and it'll include playthroughs of many popular RPG titles, including Dungeons & Dragons, amongst others. We'd also like to draw your attention to what's been happening at the University of East Anglia's Game Society. Just after we finished recording, it was brought to our attention that just over a thousand plus pounds worth of games have been stolen from the society. A list is currently being compiled by a Twitter account that we'll link to in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch and donate some games to them, I'm sure they'd really appreciate that. We'd just like to take a wee moment to give a, a little shout out to our patrons thank you so much for continuing to support us on the cast it really helps us make sure this cast goes out as it does thank you especially to james Naylor and sean newman our executive producers james as we mentioned earlier in the cast is the designer of magnate and head of Naylor games and sean newman is from the game a lot team we'll put links to james and sean's bits and pieces in the show notes and you can support us in a variety of ways uh, by buying dice from metallic dice games t-shirts from Sir Meeple, or just sign up to the patron for $1 a month that will give you access to extended
0: versions of the cast and little behind-the-scenes notes every now and again. When Ian says extended editions, what he of course means is bits where we mess up. I mean, there's that too. (laughs) It's 90% us messing up. 90% that, yeah. Gaps. Well, only the good ones. I take
1: out the really bad ones. That include my puns. Of course, your puns never make it to the cast. Like to oh, I bet very, they do. Very clear. Yeah. I bet they do. Never.
0: <laughs> I totally not listen sing- to the podcast. Not
1: a, not a single <laughs> pun that has ever made it onto this cast. That'd be a scurrilous accusation.
0: Challenge accepted. Quickly, before we go, we've covered a number of announcements by Wizards of the Coast to celebrate the release of their Spelljammer supplement for the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons. In a 2-hour, 11-minute video on YouTube called Launching a Dice into Space, for all you grammar pedants out there, they couldn't use the word die because the almighty YouTube algorithm would have uh, gone, no, Wizards sent a D20 into space encased in a model of a star moth Spelljammer. All the while, the album Spelljams... A synth companion album to your Starfaring Adventures played along. During the voyage to the edge of space, the camera shows the D20 rolling both a natural 20 and a natural 1 at various points. It's a marketing gimmick and a half, it's a hell of a gimmick, uh, but it looks like it's a bit good, of good fun.
1: Why was there, Jamie? Is could you use a, that video and a random timestamp generator to make rolls in your Spelljammer campaign?
0: Probably. I just don't trust electronic dice rollers. Just use a dice roller by yourself. As in, roll your own dice. Fair enough.
1: Thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on your podcast app of choice. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I'm mostly active on Twitter these days. You can come and join us in our Discord. We have a friendly community where we chat about all aspects of the news and uh, set up game nights all the time. Uh, we have a game night every Tuesday after the cast goes out. You're most welcome along. You can find our, all our writings and podcasts at giantbrain.co.uk and do email us about any forthcoming events you have, you'd like mentioned mention on the cast, job opportunities you'd like to advertise, or just anything about anything on the cast. giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thank you very much. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye now.
0: Bye.